good to see you today. We're glad that you came to worship with us. Today, I've got three expectations. I want you to follow me through this. One of them is that we might hear from a word from God. Could you pray for that? That I might hear a word from God? The second thing is that I might hear and, and respond appropriately, whatever that might be. And then the third thing is that you would experience the love and compassion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what happened to you last night or last week. But I pray that today that you might experience the presence of the living God. And so today I want to just ask you a question, kind of a rhetorical question. You ever been disappointed? That's dumb to ask that question, right? Because we have, haven't we? I, I remember hearing George W. Bush in an in, interview one time and asked, they asked him, have you ever, you ever made a bad decision? He said, yeah, I traded off Raphael Palmero. And, uh, this, this last week, my wife and me kind of are great Texas Ranger fans. And I hope one day John Daniels can say I made a big mistake last week. Some of you don't even know what that means, but that's okay. My wife is mourning the loss of Joey. But have you ever made a decision or had something? I mean, I've, since we have Amazon, we can just kind of push a button and get something. You ever done that? Got it home and thought, what did I do? I bought this gizmo that... Uh, was supposed to take dents out of your car. You seen those? I bought one of those, 20 bucks. I got that home, and I managed just a little piece of plastic. I thought, okay, this is really going to be cool. So I took it out in the garage, me and that little thing. I did everything the instructions said to do. It didn't take out any dents. Man, I was disappointed. Let me tell you, I just had a bunch of them in my car, and I thought, going to be like new. But it wasn't, you know, but I was disappointed. But today, I, I've, I've thought about this thing about being disappointed. And I've got, I've got something that I want to show you, a little video about disappointment. Now watch this. Now that is something. That's the best part of the sermon. You want one of those? Now these are real Hershey kisses. I just thought everybody ought to have one of these today so you get something out of the message today. You know? Uh, here you go. You were nice to me. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that we could have the real thing, aren't you? I, I should have brought one of these for everybody, but I didn't. But the lucky people are getting one today. I, hey, you got one. He was complaining a while ago because I didn't give him one the first service. There you go. You know, I watched people at the baseball game the other night. They go crazy over over uh, T-shirts that they throw away. Whoops! Hit somebody in the head. But anyway, 
See there? I'm about to run out, but uh, I don't want... Some people are going to be disappointed because they didn't get something today. But uh, here you go. I, you look like you're disappointed. You're going to blow something out of your mouth. <laughs> Wasn't that a fun video, though? I, I just thought, man, what a cool deal. Woo! Look back there. Anyway, disappointment is everywhere. Do you know that? I mean... People have got the disease that didn't think they'd get it. But I think we've all been disappointed. I I was watching the, the uh, Olympics this week. Have you been watching that? I, I, I watched people play ping pong. I thought I was good at it. I thought I couldn't carry their paddles or the badminton people or or others. And And then there was this little girl named or woman named Simone. Remember hearing about her? Since she was a little kid, six years old, she'd been in gymnastics. She was kind of a throwaway kid. If you read about her, she really was kind of a throwaway kid. And then she went, I mean, she began to be wonderful. And last week, something happened. I don't know what it was. I don't think you ought to feel bad about her. I, I, I feel bad for her, but. What a disappointment. And you know, the truth is, everybody that plays games, there's somebody that gets disappointed, right? There are three people that stand on the stage in the Olympics and get those gold and silver and bronze. But then there are thousands of people that don't get to stand on the stage. The truth in life is, you know, not everybody gets a prize. And the truth in, and that is, and that we can be grateful for, is that our performance-based society just measures us on what kind of prize we may have won. And the truth is, most everything in the world that you have may disappoint you. Whatever person that is, whatever relationship you may have, we always run the risk of being disappointed. But there is one person that will never disappoint you. And I want to talk about him today. I want to make him famous today. His name is Jesus. And, you know, we, we have a hope. And our hope in him is what keeps us going. I mean, when the, when the weather's bad... When the lights go off, when the rubber hits the road, He's the one that keeps us going. And so if He's then in us, it really doesn't matter what the weather is. I was thinking this morning about the old, the old hymn that was country song. I like a lot of old country songs. that says, Lord, if we make it through December, everything's going to be all right. Well, in Texas, we say if you make it through August, everything's going to be all right. We'll go dove hunting and everything will be cool. We, we have spent the last 26 or 7 years in exile living in Arkansas. And then we got to come home. And so we're glad to be home and to be with you because of some things that happened in us. We got to come. And to be a part of you. And Mark asked me to come be on staff. And 
That was pretty cool, and we're grateful to do that. But I, I think about us, about the hope we have. I want to read a scripture that Paul wrote uh, for us out of Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through and following. I won't read the whole thing, but listen to this. He says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not by our performance, through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Isn't that great to know? This hope, what is this hope? The hope that we have in the Lord Jesus will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Isn't that a great position? So today, I want to talk about the best thing I know and the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. The hope we have in our lives. Everything else will disappoint you. When I was a kid, growing up, I grew up in the oil field, and, and uh, my dad was a roughneck, and we, we moved around all the time. We got to live in great places in Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas. And, and uh, my wife, who's up here on the front row, her name is Debbie, she went to the same school all of her life. I thought that would be weird. I think I went to 13 growing up. My mother told me that. Uh, she talks about a third grade teacher. I don't even know where I lived in third grade. I thought my name was either shut up or sit down. I was the ADD kid. I used to be an ADHD kid, but when I got to be about 60, I lost the H. So, anyway, I, I think about, about growing up and being disappointed. I was always a little scrawny kid, and I, I tried to play football, and I became the blocking dummy. I learned about that about the fourth or fifth practice, maybe more than that, that I was just going to be the blocking dummy. And uh, so I didn't, my football career was kind of short. I tried to play baseball, and I had a problem going between my legs reaching down to get the ball. I had trouble with that. I had trouble hitting the ball. But I kept up, you know. I sat on the bench, and sometimes our, our team would get far enough, either behind or ahead, coach would put me in. And I was grateful for that. But I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus, because one day when I was in my 20s, we had moved to Denver, Colorado, to, so I could get out of the oil field. I still had all my fingers. And I was grateful to get out of that. And I, we moved up there, and I got a job. And, and I, I'm not sure what all happened. I don't remember that exactly. But uh, I stumbled into First Southern Baptist Church in Westminster, Colorado. That's North Denver. And I found some people, kind of like you. I came in there smelling like last night's booze. To tell you guys that drink, that ain't good. But I found some people that loved me. And there was an Aggie in that, in that church. It was, amen, some of you are. I love Aggies. 
because, not I, I never get to go there. I never did, I didn't have, wasn't that smart. I had to go to a Baptist school. But I, I sorry. I, I saw a guy yesterday that had on a Baylor hat. I said, I bet you went to school back when it was a Baptist school. Excuse me, I didn't mean to say that. But I, I, I think about my life. I, I, I went into that church. I didn't know why I was there. But I was there so that Aggie could tell me about Jesus. And whenever he did, I'd never heard that story before. I thought Jesus Christ was a curse word. I didn't know. But I found out that he wasn't that. He was a Savior. And that, that he, he could come into me. That he would care about me. Now, just think about that a minute. I'm just kind of a throwaway kid, you know. We lived in trailer courts and, and uh, just, you know, we weren't liked by a lot of people. I don't know why, but they didn't like us. I think because they, they knew we was going to marry their daughters. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, I was just kind of a throwaway kid. And, and when I got there and I, I met that guy, his name was David Metters. And, and when, when he told me about Jesus, I thought, could that happen to me? You know what? It did. That's been a long time ago. I'm a satisfied customer. Yeah, some of you are. And it's a wonderful thing. And, but I've tried a lot of stuff that disappointed me. And I, I, think, I think religious people have really tried a lot of stuff that have been really disappointing. And, and here in, in, uh, in the book of, of uh, Hebrews, if you'll turn with me, if you've got a Bible or do it on your phone or whatever you do, I want to read the first part of chapter 1 of Hebrews. This is a remarkable piece when it begins to talk about who we are in Jesus. So I want to read that. And this is the Word of God. Now, now, real scholarly people will always tell you the writer of Hebrews like they don't know who wrote it. Let me tell you something. I know who wrote it. Barnabas wrote it. Now, if you're a, a scholarly person, you're going to cemetery, centenary, you, you be sure to write down you don't know who wrote it. But if you come today, you found out Kenny knows who wrote it. It was Barnabas. He was the most encouraging people in the person in the scripture i think and so why not give him a book so i did stand with me we're going to read the word of god just a minute okay listen to what this says this is hebrews 1 long ago god spoke to fathers by the prophets at different times and different ways in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. The Son is the radiance of God, glory, and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, 
So he became superior to the angels. Just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Father, I pray you'll use these words and this, this time that we meet here to glorify this person, Jesus. And that you would draw people into yourself, just like you promised. In his name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I, I think about this idea of God speaking to us. I've heard people say, God told me. Have you ever heard anybody say that, God told me? I get kind of the heebie-jeebies when I hear that. Because I always wonder, because they, they're usually getting ready to tell me something spectacular that I ought to do. Has anybody ever said to you, God told me to tell you to straighten up? Man, I've heard that a lot. But I think about this thing about God speaking to us, and He spoke through the prophets. And He did. And listen to what he, how He spoke through the prophets. When, when the prophets spoke, people listened. Why? In, in 2 Peter, it tells us why. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Where'd they get their message? They got it from God. These prophets were the voice of God. And they were like bullets, like, like piercing the darkness, making an impact and shattering the world. The prophet's message. There was none more powerful than that. It was urgent. It was warnings. It was rebukes. It was a target. It was always a target in the heart. This is what God says. That's what the prophet said. Elijah and Elijah spoke during the dark days of Ahab and Jezebel. Isaiah to the king's courts. Jeremiah with his tears. Daniel to his, with his dreams. Hosea with his heartaches. Amos with his uncompromising warnings. Nathan came and slapped the face of David, saying, You the man. Haggai motivated the Jews to finish building the temple. And Jonah to, to Nineveh, Nineveh, which was the greatest revival of ever in history. The only problem with their message was it was always fragmented. And it, was, it was to be continued. And so the early church had a, had a problem with prophets and angels. At others, they're not about their accuracy, but they begin to follow him. So that the early church, just like us, they need a reminder of what the best thing is. And so when the, when when the Hebrew was written, this great letter was written. It was written to the early church that that were sometimes they were focusing their experience on something rather than the best thing. Some of them were following angels. Some were following prophets or religious leaders. Some were looking for religion. Some were looking into temples and, and rituals and even theology and tradition and things like that. And some focused on people and preachers and process. And, and so Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. Now listen to this. This is, this is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another 
so that there may be no division among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Cleo's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I'm of Paul. Another says, I'm of Apollo. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another says, I follow Christ. And here's what his conclusion was. Is Christ divided? What a great answer that is. Question that is. Paul was not crucified for them. Jesus was. Paul didn't baptize you. And so God's message through the Hebrews is really like this. In the last days, all these things have happened, but in the last days, God is speaking through His Son. So we ought to listen, shouldn't we? Christ is says to us, He prayed when He was here on the earth, He prayed that we might have unity. So it must really be must matter. So we need something. So if there was a hero in the Bible, it has to be Jesus. Correct? So in, in Galatians, this is what it says in Galatians 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. He came to bring us hope. He came to bring us to a place where there's no disappointment. Listen to what he said in John, first chapter of John. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's Son. He says in this scripture that I read, that in the last days, that's what we're living in, is the last days, God's Son, and His name is Jesus, and He is superior to all the rest. He's superior to the prophets. He's superior to everybody. And, and, and He gives some reasons for that. As I read down through that, I, I want you to think about the visible presence of Jesus. What do you see? What did the writer of Hebrews say? He said, first of all, in, in verses 2 and 3, he said, first of all, he's the sovereign Lord of the universe. Don't ever get away from that. He said, the other thing is that he's the heir of all things. He's the last Adam. There aren't going to be any more. And, and the other thing, he says, he created all this. People argue about that all the time. The bottom line truth of that is God created it. The truth is he's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit stood on nothing one day on the precipice of nothing and made everything. How did he do that? I don't know. It's dead. And if you don't believe that, you can't believe the rest of it. I don't know where that makes sense to you or not, but that's true. It says that he created everything. And so he's the representation, it says in verse 4, or verse 3, he's the representation of the Father. Now think about that a minute. 
says that he's the radiance. No prophet that could ever claim that. Jesus said this. He said, I'm the light of the world. No prophet could ever be the light. You know, a prophet was, was something that was a luminary. A luminary is something that would shine. If you put a, put a light on it, it'll shine like the moon. The moon doesn't put off any light. The only thing it puts off is a reflection of, of, of the sun. Not everybody's got that figured out, but that's true. And so he says that, that Jesus was the radiance of God. No prophet can claim that. The, the prophets, like I said, were luminaries. And, and the other thing it says, he's the exact representation in character and everything of God. So if you see him, this is what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, he's the hero of the Bible. And then it says he's the sustainer, the sustainer of the universe. Just think about this just a minute. Now, we we as think about maintaining this, all this stuff, and you stand around and look at the, at the stars and everything. Who maintains that? Who makes sure that it's, it's this many days, this many minutes for us to go around the sun? Who sustains that? You get that clicked off a couple of minutes and we're going to burn up. Or the oceans are going to... You know who's controlling that? There ain't no scientist taking care of that, okay? He says that he's the sustainer. You believe that? That's what he says. So you think about that just a moment. About he holds everything together. Without him, everything flies apart. And, And then the next thing is just the most beautiful thing in all the Scripture. It says that he made possible the purification of our sins. You might jump over that thing about him being the, the light of the world and, and the sustainer and all those things. But when you come to that piece, those few words where he said, he made possible the purification of your sins. No prophet ever did that. No angel ever did that. You see, when the cross happened and Jesus died on the cross, he was there Solving the sin problem for us. Nobody could do that but Him. And so forever, we have that place. We don't have any more sacrifices because the eternal sacrifice is the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one who made eternal purification for our sins. There's nothing else. Once and for all, the accomplishments of God, we have a need for Him. We have a need for Him because He is the one who is our sacrifice. It, in Isaiah it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. In Romans it says, there, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's truth that we need a Savior. And He paid the price. We sang about that a moment ago. He paid the price. Listen to what it says in Romans 3. It says they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption. Through the redemption. That's, that's the price He paid for our sins. That is in Christ Jesus. You see, His place right now, it says, He's in the right hand of God. That's where He is. No prophet was ever invited to the right hand of God. No angel had ever been put there. No institution, no rules, no religion. And and what we need to see in all of this 
is the mysterious plan of the living God. It's called redemption. Where we find grace, where we find mercy of the cross, because God has made it so in the person of Jesus. That's the mysterious plan of our God. He made redemption for you and me. Did we deserve that? Well, he thought so. Did we deserve that? We get that by grace. No other place. And so the last word is that is spoken in the person of Jesus. There's salvation in no other is what the Scripture says. The resurrection is our bridge over triple water. The only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. God is in Christ reconciling the Word into Himself, it says. And so we can know Him, you and I. We have a lot of failed expectations. They're everywhere. All of us have failed at something. But in our place, we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ came in the body and showed us what God is like. And my friend, you'll never be disappointed in Him. You may be disappointed in churches, in people, preachers, prophets, stuff that's happened. But you'll never be disappointed in Him. Here's what happens. You know, I guess this is the whole gospel where it says in in John 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Can a man know God? He can, because He was revealed in Jesus. And that's what we have today. And so, Jesus is the imprint of God in our world. And redemption is God's great search and rescue mission for people like us that can't find our way. The truth is that He loves us and He gave. He loved us so much that He gave His Son. He loved us so much that He gave and we can believe and we can live. And so the real thing is this relationship with the living God that you'll never be disappointed in. Some of us have tried a lot of religious stuff. I mean, we've done genuflexing and we've done uh, crosses and we've done everything. My, my favorite verse in the Scripture is in, in Matthew chapter 11. I want to leave you with this. This comes from the message. If you haven't ever known about that, Eugene Peterson has a, it's not a translation, but it's really good stuff. Listen to what this says. And you can answer this question. Are you tired? And he's talking about religion. And he's talking about everything but Jesus. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. That's what Jesus says to us today. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to live, how to take real rest. Most of us don't know that. And then he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that, don't you? We get to learn that. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So if you have anything that's 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 
heavy or ill-fitting. It didn't come from Jesus. It came from somewhere else. He says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, the truth is, He loves you, and He's waiting for us. If you're looking for a new place to start, I want to take you through the book of Hebrews and show you Jesus. If you could say, I'm here, why not, why not now? Why not start someplace? At the foot of the cross, Jesus. Do you know Him? The sanctification we get from Him is a process with no disappointments. It comes from justification where we start to a place of sanctification, then we go to heaven. That's just a time of growing. If you will admit your sin, you just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. That was easy for me because I was a good one. And I would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I would live. And I believe that He lived and died. I confess that He's mine. I believe. And then I do it. Pretty simple, isn't it? You know, God has to make it really simple for people from Oklahoma to get that. That's me. I didn't offend anybody, did I? He had to make it simple. He had to make it easy. Why? Because that's what we need. We can't get there any other way. We can try. We can believe in prophets. That's good. I believe in the prophets. I believe Amos was a real person. He had a friend named Andy. Old people only only understand that. I I believe they're angels. I believe some taking care of me. <laughs> but the only one person ever gave purification for my sins, and his name was Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? We're going to sing a song here in a minute. And uh, I would like for our pastors and elders to come up here. If you want to come and pray, you may really be burdened down on something. The band's going to come and play, and and we're going to sing a song. If you'd like to come and pray, I would invite you to come. If you need to come and know Jesus, come on. He's just a prayer away. And he's knocking on your door. Would you let him in? Father, I pray right now as we stop before you that your Holy Spirit would draw people into yourself. For I pray in the name of Jesus.